It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. Coming to you live from the Billy C. Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C. Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. Whenever you're listening, I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria and Italian Restaurant located on St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhood.com. Pizzeria.com or give him a call 912-268-2328 912-268-2328 find yourself in St. Simons go to Sal's today's show is also being brought to us in part by the Holiday Inn properties that's right if you're going to be traveling someplace in the U.S. you want to make sure you stay at a nice clean refreshing place well don't stay anywhere other than the Holiday Inn uh, you could stay at uh, Holiday Inn Express and maybe even gain something while you stay there. No, I, I like the Holiday Inn Express. But anyway, the bottom line is we can get you a discount. That's right, Billy C. Discount. All you got to do, make your reservation call toll-free, 844-603-0364. That's 844-603-0364. Or if you like me, just uh, visit our website, billycboxing.com, and... Uh, Click on the banner. You can't miss it. It's on the right. And uh, also, today's show is being brought to us in part by my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Men on a Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. All you got to do is go to uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Uh, find out why I'm so adamant about uh, getting this guy's story told. Uh, once you Once you read it, and it's a quick read, uh, once you read it, uh, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I want to give a shout out to uh, uh, some of our affiliates, uh, two specifically, uh, my man George and his crew uh, up in Nashua, New Hampshire, on WSMN 1590. Uh, don't forget, if you're uh, not in that area, you could check out uh, our show uh, on their stream. Uh, they uh, they are on the 1590. AM dial, but uh, you could also check them out at WSMN1590.com. And also, uh, my man uh, uh, over, uh, my whole team, I should say, uh, over in uh, uh, Brunswick, Georgia, uh, on WGIG 1440 AM. I want to give a shout out uh, to my man Scott and uh, everyone at the uh, iHeartRadio uh, setup over there on uh, uh, in Brunswick. So we're 
happy to be part of your sports programming. Now, coming up a little bit later on the show, we got Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard scheduled to join us. Uh, Larry and I will be uh, uh, talking about a bunch of things. And uh, the other uh, thing we're doing today, it's Wednesday. So that means it's time for the blast from the past. We have uh, another... uh, 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 another um, uh, guy that was requested, um, you know, uh, by you guys, by the listeners, uh, and that is Memphis Pal Moore. Um, you know, so we will uh, uh, get you hooked up on that. Um, now, coming up on the show, I want to talk about a lot of things um, today, and one of them uh, is... Triple G. We got some updates on Triple G and Canelo. Uh, I got some quotes from Oscar De La Hoya. Uh, We got uh, uh, the WBC is making news. Keith Thurman update. A lot of stuff going on. So let's start first with Triple G. Now, uh, Triple G uh, says... uh, well, well, let me let me read you the quote because he's uh, he he did a uh, a press conference uh, concerning his uh, fight coming up on May fifth on HBO with Vanis Monteroshian, and um, he says uh, they were talking about that, and you know he, he said he didn't want to waste the training camp, and, and and it makes sense, you know, training camps aren't cheap, especially when you're at uh, that kind of a level, um, and you know uh, the 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 bottom line. Is uh, is that the guy is training? He didn't want to waste his money, and uh, you know, waste the, the expense of a training camp that he had been in. And um, you know, the bottom line is is he, he just wanted to move forward. He lost a lot of money. Obviously, he's not getting paid the same amount uh, as he would have uh, against uh, Canelo. Uh, but you know, he didn't want to waste the camp, and I, you know, you can't really uh, uh, fault him for that. Uh, I would think, um, but uh, but in any event, um, he made, uh, they were, you know, he they had the quotes, I'm having a hard time with my thoughts today for some reason, but uh, they had, they were trying to talk to him about um, about the uh, uh, fight coming up against Vanis Monterosian, uh, but the uh, facts are the facts, and uh, what happened is, of course, Canelo gets brought up into the conversation, and, um, well, when they asked Canelo, uh, oh, I'm sorry, when they asked Triple G about Canelo, uh, he said, uh, you know, he's still disgusted uh, about the whole episode, and he's still uh, uh, unhappy uh, with the uh, uh, BS that uh, took place. Um, uh, you know, the two failed tests by Triple G, uh, you know, losing uh, the payday uh, on, on May 5th, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, they asked him about Canelo, and, and Triple G said, Canelo, right now he's over. Do I want to have a rematch in September? We'll see. It's a different deal. I'll fight Canelo again. Ask him if he really wants to fight me. I no longer think about Canelo. I am only focused on this fight, referring to the Vanis Martirosian fight coming up on May 5th. He said, this boxing business is crazy. I just want to fight Vanis. I remember him from the 2004 Olympics. I know he's not easy. He's strong, and he's an active fighter in the ring. He's a good fighter. He's a real guy, a real fighter. He's tall. He's strong. In 2004, I thought he was the best boxer on the U.S. Olympic team. That's, uh, that's pretty good considering uh, uh, Andre Ward 
was uh, in that uh, uh, group and was uh, the last uh, uh, gold medal winner, uh, as far as I know, for the United States. Um, the deal is, is since the contract uh, was, uh, it's no longer in place. Uh, uh, according to multiple reports, it's no longer valid. So therefore, should the sides decide to fight in September, the negotiation has to be different, I would think. Joining me now, um, for some reason his camera's not working, but uh, joining me now, uh, Sal Rocky Senecola, you there? I am here, Billy C. Good morning. How are you? What's going on? You got no camera today or what? Well, I'm just uh, getting it set up. I, I rebooted a few things, and uh, it kicked me out, and uh, I'm in the process of making it uh, happen right now. All right. Well, I'll, I'll wait, and we'll get you on as soon as I see you. So hang, uh, hang tight. We'll wait for Sal. He'll be back in a sec. Um, in the meantime, uh, you know, I, I wanted to get his thoughts uh, on that, but we will uh, uh, wait for him to uh, get his uh, <clears throat> equipment set. Um, in the meantime, Martiroshian, uh, you know, at the same press conference, um, well, you know what? They couldn't help but ask him about Canelo. And he says, uh, you know, why did he flunk two drug tests? Why did he withdraw from VADA testing? I don't believe anything he says. I don't buy his excuse about tainted meat. If, God forbid, I had tested positive because of accidentally eating something, I would have, uh, I would have, I would have myself tested every day to prove I was clean. No one wants to see someone cheat his way into a fight. That's why fans love Triple G, because he's so good in the ring and because he's clean. He has always been tested. He wants to be... He wants boxing to be uh, a clean sport, as do I. Um, you know, to me, this whole situation is terrible. Um, not only is Triple G being branded as the bad guy all of a sudden, which I don't understand, uh, you know, really, Canelo is, uh, but he lost the money and everything else. I have said all along that he should not even bother fighting um, Canelo Alvarez in September. I really don't think that it makes uh, any sense uh, for him to fight uh, Canelo. He needs to move forward and uh, go on after uh, Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, that's the, the fight that he should uh, concentrate on, and uh, we'll see what happens with that. Now, uh, as far as uh, Oscar De La Hoya, well, uh, Oscar De La Hoya, um, he says... Obviously, he's uh, standing by his guy. And, uh, you know, he, he, here, here's what he said. He said, Canelo's getting the really, Canelo's really getting the short end of the stick uh, because obviously he's the popular fighter and a lot of people are going to hate on him. Uh, but he's been the one of the, he's been one of the cleanest fighters I've ever known. Uh, he's passed a number of tests, and you know, it's unfortunately, it's unfortunate. To me, this is total BS. Once they fight in September, I'll tell you one thing. Can, <clears throat> excuse me, Canelo's going to freaking wail on him. I want to know why Oscar De La Hoya thinks that Canelo is getting the short end of the stick. As far as I'm concerned, it seems that Triple G is getting the short end of the stick because Canelo's a cheater. I think he's joining us now, uh, Sal Rocky uh, Senecola. What's your thoughts on this whole uh, 
uh, Canelo Triple G thing? You know, it it keeps on digging itself deep. Well, not it. I think Canelo keeps on digging himself deeper and deeper because it is what it is. I mean, I I, I heard something. Billy Joe Saunders was, was uh, so against the whole thing that he thinks Canelo Alvarez should never be able to box professionally again. I mean, you know, people got to realize this is this is a big thing, uh, ladies and gentlemen. You know, when somebody chooses at his status on any level to cheat, to turn to drugs, to turn to uh, in performance enhancement and steroids, or whatever you may call it, uh, to make you artificially stronger, uh, uh, more likely to, to, to have a little more pop in your pump punch, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think, you know, hey, if you guys want to uh, be for it, uh, start a – a performance-enhancing drug league, and let the uh, let the fools go down that path, and keep natural with the natural league. And I I, I will bet you you'll see uh, where the fans really want to uh, see the fighters go. Um, it is a shame, and like I said, uh, the media not only reports the news, they help stimulate, create, create it. So you know, let the mouthpieces be heard. And let the let this try to be uh, let's right the ship. I mean, it, boxing takes enough uh, knocks, uh, no pun intended. But the bottom line is, this is big and this is bad, and it's bad for the sport. We cannot allow performance-enhancing drugs in the sport of boxing. Mentioning, uh, you mentioned uh, Billy Joe Saunders, and you know he's uh, uh, promoting his fight with uh, with Murray. Uh, and he did say exactly what you said, uh, and I quote, this is from Billy Joe Saunders concerning the same thing. He says, I rated Canelo very highly, but now he's gone down in my estimation so much. I don't rate him as high as a fighter at all. Um, he says, even if he beats Triple G in the future, I wouldn't class him as beating him because I still look at him as a cheater. I don't agree with what he's done, and I think it's a disgrace for boxing. You get these young fighters coming up, they're looking at Canelo, looking at what he's got and what he's become. Are they going to think that we can do that too? We can get away with a six-month ban? When you see people like that enhancing their body to do more damage on someone, I think that's cheating, and it should be a ban for life, most definitely. And and the, his choice of wording, Sal, really is strong because he says, when you see people like that enhancing their body to do more damage on their, basically on their opponent, and that's what performance-enhancing drugs do, the safety of the fighter goes out the window. And I agree that a fighter, if you want it to truly end performance-enhancing drugs in the sport of boxing, then the penalty must be severe enough to deter a fighter from even contemplating on whether or not he or she should uh, should take that risk. And a six-month slap on the wrist, a guy who goes and decides to get surgery done, hey, well, I'm going to be off for six months, a guy who still thinks he's in the driver's seat and, and his team is spinning it like he's the victim? No, I agree with Billy Joe Saunders because if the commissions really think that the most important thing is the safety of the fighters, then they needed to do a much more uh, severe penalty than a six-month slap on the wrist. Your thoughts, please. Yes, sir. I, I will tell you my thoughts. First of all, I'm becoming a bigger and bigger fan of Billy Joe Saunders. 
not only from his outing uh, against uh, his well with his last fight, but I'll tell you what the uh, the words he chose and he selected and he chose those words uh, a ban for life and uh, ashamed as far as you know. Hey, I held Canelo up there as well, but if it's being artificially induced and to think also, you know, boxing is a tough game. And, you know, you, you don't have the, 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 the faint-hearted and the leery, weary uh, people entering into the sport and going into the squared circle and trying to uh, 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 beat and dominate your opponent physically. Uh, it, it's not for everybody. But the bottom line is, as, as Billy Joe Saunders suggested, but to even think about getting stronger artificially and having more of an opportunity and more of a damaging effect against your opponent. I mean, that's what these performance-enhancing drugs do. They make you stronger. They make you bigger. They make you uh, whatever you think you do. I think a lot of it has to do with also your psychological makeup and, yes, the physiological makeup and the whole thing else. But bottom line is it's illegal. It should not be allowed. And, yes, you should deal with it at a severe level as far as penalty. I thought maybe being banned for one year was uh, was enough of a setback in one's career when they are limited with a few years to 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 run a career to begin with, but yeah, you want to make it a, a hard line, ban for life, that'll shut a lot of people down and 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 shut turn a lot of people away when they will think twice. But then even that, Billy, you'll have them blaming their training camps. They'll see, oh well, the meat was infected. Oh, I'm sorry, I heard that recently. Um, you know, they'll say some other stuff that that they'll try and have the wiggle room. It should be firm, it should be hard, and it should be clear. And uh, it should not have any gray area in between the lines. Well, I mean, the the truth of the matter uh, is that, you know, if somebody is going to get popped for uh, for cheating, the penalty has to be severe. Um, yeah. You know, to try to turn it around the way uh, De La Hoya is trying to do. And, and you know, quite honestly, I don't see any kind of remorse. You know, this guy Canelo is is still holding strong that he ate tainted meat. He's he didn't even show up for the hearing. You know that that's a guy that that is just not one of the big problems we have in 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 society today is that people aren't held accountable for their actions. There's always an excuse of why they did it. You know, you have some horrific situation. Uh, where somebody goes and opens up a machine gun and kills innocent people, and then the next day you're hearing about the poor kid's child, the poor guy's childhood, or the poor guy's mistreatment at work, or or you know that's why he did it. No, 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 no. You know I, we we don't need to keep finding out uh, what caused something. You need to hold people accountable and make it known that this is what's going to happen if you do this or do that. I mean, it's pretty simple. You know, and in boxing, it, it's another level up because of the safety of the of of the other fighters. You know, uh, it's it's a shame. And what bothers me the most is the simple fact that uh, that Canelo uh, is trying through his team is trying to play like he's the victim here. And uh, the truth of the matter is, is Triple G's the victim. He lost a huge payday. Uh, he's being uh, uh, blamed for the opponent that he picked. You know, I mean, it's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous. One more thing before I take a break. We were mentioning Billy Joe Saunders 
and uh, he did kick off uh, his press uh, conference for his upcoming fight in June uh, with Martin Murray. He's making a defense of his WBO world middleweight title, the only title that uh, Triple G does not have. Billy Joe Saunders says, at the moment, I'm only focused on Martin Murray. Once I win, let's see who's out there uh, that wants to take me on. Obviously, he's talking about Triple G because that's the, the big fight in the middleweight division as of right now. He says, uh, uh, people bang on me about my last performance. There's only one person that can lose this fight, and that's me if I overlook Martin. I can't beat these guys if I'm not the fighter that I think I am. Martin has a little bo bit more range and reach than me, but size doesn't matter when you have the will to win. I don't know the feeling of being beaten, and I don't want to experience it, uh, which is a pretty cool uh, line. I like that. Uh, Martin Murray says, on June 23rd, I will become a world champion. I guarantee it 100%. Uh, this is my time. Billy Joe Saunders stands in the way of me and finally becoming a world champion and hopefully getting some huge paydays. Um, these two guys uh, mean it. And uh, Billy, Joe, Billy Joe Saunders seems to be taking on a different persona. Uh, but, uh, but I love that line, Sal. I got to take yes. a break. But real quick, what do you think? I don't know the feeling of being beaten, and I don't want to experience it. I, I love it. Like I said, Bill, uh, I, I'm, uh, you know, when he beat David Lemieux, not only beat, dismantled and crushed David Lemieux, uh, I said, wow, uh, is this really who I've not really paid too much attention to? And this guy's really capable of doing this. He was boxing, he was moving, he was taking a fight, staying in the pocket. He looked great. And he looked big, he looked great. But, uh, and then these words, uh, like I said, I'm a big fan of, Dave, of, of uh, Billy Joe Saunders right now, and I, I agree with him 100. percent You take... know that 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 says that is the core essence. That says it in the heart of a fighter who has not tasted defeat yet, exactly. And that's part of the urgency. That's part of the determination. That's part of what you train with every day. Is you're not going to be beaten. You don't want to be beaten. You don't want to taste defeat. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, we got some more. I got I got some news from the WBC. You're not going to believe it. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, just before we went on to break, I uh, said that uh, I had some WBC news. Um, hey, Sal, I see you're Yo. back. I see you're back again. Um, I, uh, I wanted to uh, ask you, do um, you think boxing needs another belt? Um, it needs uh, another belt like uh, I need a uh... – I do need a rotator cuff, but <laughs> no, no. Last thing we need is another belt to to uh, confuse the issue. How many belts could we? How many world title belts are there today, or how many belts are there today? No, we do not need another belt. There's enough. I think we should eliminate a few of these belts. Well, 
the WBC has come up with another belt, except this time it's not for a fighter. This time they have uh, incorporated a trainer's belt. They've designed and developed a special belt that uh, was inspired by the traditional towel worn at all times by boxing trainers. So beginning in May, which is next week, the WBC will present a uh, belt to the trainer of a crowned champion. So in other words, if a, if a fighter wins a WBC belt, their trainer is going to get a belt uh, as well. What do you think? I'm trying to mull it around a little bit, and and you know I I will tell you this I I could see the the endearing nature and and uh, I kind of agree about some of the accolades and some of the uh, pats on the back and some of the the esteem uh, uh, compliments and, and and that will will propel a, a world class trainer who's helped his fighter. Uh, along the lines, I, I I'm not saying I'm against it, Bill. I mean, it's it's interesting. I've never quite heard it, but is he going to get a belt every time he's in a championship uh, fight and, and his fighter wins? Is he going to have more belts than his fighter? Um, uh, it's it's an interesting proposition, and uh, maybe maybe we got to have a wait and see kind of approach here. But I, I like the acknowledgement, and I think it's it's great. Um, uh, I never quite heard about it, and uh, you know, if this is the WBC, are they on the forefront and the cutting edge? I don't know. I'd like to hear your thoughts, Billy C. Well, my thoughts um, are, uh, are 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 I don't have a problem with it. I think that no. to have the belts for the fighters, I think it dilutes what's going on. Okay, I, I think that what has happened with all these belts is that we have fighters that have a belt. When you watch these guys do their ring walk, sometimes they, they got 14 guys carrying all the belts. Um, and and it's, it's lost the value. And, and the, the only people that haven't really seen that yet are the um, promoters and the network executives because they feel that they can't sell a fight unless there's a title on the line. Now, when you go to the what the reason for a belt is, um, it's an award of sorts, right? Um, and, and by having too many belts, we have that participation award feel, right? When you have too many belts, et cetera, et cetera. But when you do accomplish becoming a world champion and you win a belt, or in a case where most fighters try to achieve today is they want to win uh, more than one belt, so they become a unified champion, that is what has taken the place of years ago what had been determined as a champion you know because it was only one belt so you win that belt you're the champion now champions look at themselves as real champions once they win more than one belt so to have too many belts obviously has diluted the system however some of the other people involved don't get the the credit that they deserve sure we hear about the big name trainers a la freddie roach or or uh, abel sanchez etc etc these guys that make the news for whatever reason good or bad but you don't hear about the unsung heroes the guy that that brings uh, a fighter up legitimately and uh helps guide him teaches him uh baby a, drives to, a nurture to, well forget the baby i'm talking about teaching something that we don't really have today in trainers we have no. rah-rah men we need trainers that teach 
And some of these guys may not be getting an award. So in this particular case, Sal, I think that by giving a trainer some kind of a recognizable award, a la a belt or whatever, is good. My question is, who's going to pay for the sanctioning fee? Uh, is, is is this just the goodness, out of the goodness of the WBC's heart? Or does the promoter or the fighter have to pay for the sanctioning fee? Because let's make no mistake, boys and girls. The sanctioning bodies aren't in business to give out anything. Regardless of the way they word it, they don't give anything. Fighters don't win a belt without paying for the sanctioning fee. No. So my no. question is, who's going to pay for the sanctioning fee? Wow, you know, I, I will tell you this. That's a great question, Billy C. That's a loaded question. Uh, maybe we could have a little co-op plan here. Maybe, uh, you know, the fighter pays for his sanctioning fee. Maybe, maybe the well, the trainer, if, he, if he's training a world-class uh, championship fight uh, or fighter and he's winning a title, let's assume for, uh, for uh, a pay scale of 500000 to millions or more, 10% off the top is not too bad of that. But, uh, you know, uh, I think it should be a co-op plan. I mean, uh, maybe maybe a, a portion of the fighter, a portion of the uh, – a third. Hey, most contracts are a third. Uh, maybe a portion of the fighter, a portion of well, – well, maybe not a fighter. Uh, a portion of the trainer and a portion of the WBC. I mean, maybe they should share that cost. It's WBC's idea. They're imposing a fee. They might as well validate it and back it up a little bit. But uh, I, I kind of like the idea because I think there are, as you suggested, Bill, uh, the unsung heroes out there. And, you know, I, I, I would give my hats off every day when I have my four important professional trainers in my life. I think they were stellar. That goes all the way back to Johnny Torres, Richie Giacchetti, Ali Stoltz, and the great Don Turner. I love those guys. And, uh, you know, they were world-class and, and, and the best. Um, if they truly earn it, then they should get it. One other thing I wanted to mention about the WBC before we take a break, and we're scheduled to have uh, Boxing Hall of Fame Larry Hazard join us. Um, the WBC also uh, announced, uh, followed a, the confusing bouncing boxing glove with, with sanctioning bodies, but... He, they, I, I just want to focus on a heavyweight update, all right? Uh, and and actually, Keith Thurman, I'm going to get to a little bit later. That's a whole nother joke. Keith Thurman, what a, what a clown. But uh, anyway, um, the WBC, in case y'all forgot, uh, Deontay Wilder in their last uh, uh, meeting, the WBC meeting, uh, Deontay Wilder had a mandatory defense against Bermain Stavern. That took place November of last year. Then he beat Ortiz, and he won by a first-round knockout. Then he beat Ortiz via a 10th-round uh, knockout. The WBC also ordered Dominic Brazil to fight an elimination bout with Eric Molina. Brazil won that fight by an 8th-round knockout. They also, also ordered Dillian White to fight Robert Holinas for their vacant silver belt, which is just a fancy word for their interim belt. Uh, and uh, Dillian White won that via a 12-round decision. Then he went and recently beat Lucas Brown. So you got Dillian White winning not one but two fights. Dominic Brazil winning uh, his elimination, his final elimination fight. Uh, and Wilder, uh, you know, uh, obliged to his mandatory and then fought another fight. So who do you think should be fighting uh, for against Wilder as the next mandatory? You would think that it would be a fight between, at the very least, the winner 
of Dominic Brazil against Dillian White. Uh, Dillian White did pick up their interim belt, and Dominic Brazil did happen to be, fight the final elimination for the number one spot. Nay, nay. According to the WBC, they have ordered a final, final, final elimination bout between Dillian White and you would think Dominic Brazil, right? Wrong. Yeah, I would Lu- think so. Luis Ortiz. Luis Ortiz. How does Luis Ortiz? They banned Luis Ortiz. They 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 did not approve the first time that he and Deontay were going to fight. Then they approve it the second time, and now he loses, gets knocked out by Deontay Wilder, and he's the guy that fights Dillian White for the right to fight uh, uh, Deontay Wilder. What happened to Dominic Brazil? Is Dominic Brazil going to get the shot at Wilder, and then the winner of of uh, Ortiz and, and Dillian White gets the winner of that? I, I don't know. It's hard to even follow. It really is, Sal. <laughs> Yeah, it is, Bill, and you know it's a shame because here we are, you know the the fans on the outside. I mean, how are they supposed to interpret or understand or believe in the ranking systems and everything else when you have fights manufactured for political reasons in the fight game? Uh, it's crazy. I I I don't know. I I'd like to see the number one ranked contenders fight the champions, and I'd like to see them climb their way up the ladder like they used to do decades and decades ago. Yeah, that would be Uh, nice. That would be nice if they could do that. But Hey, listen, we're going to take a a short break, and when we come back, uh, we are scheduled to have uh, Larry Hazard. We're going to kick Sal to the curb, and we'll come back to him a little bit later. Don't go anywhere. Billy C will be right back. Hey, fight fans. Check out KOFantasyBoxing.com. KO Fantasy Boxing is boxing's only trademarked fantasy game. Check it out, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Select your own gym, your own fighters. Track them through a season that can last from three months to a year, depending upon which league you join. You got to check this out, man, www.kofantasyboxing.com. Join it today. Again, www.kofantasyboxing.com, and tell them Billy C sent you. The one, the only, Don King. Makes me feel good, Billy, to have you, the number one show in the country, talking boxing with Billy. So I invite each and every American that's listening to this great show to tune in. We want you to be there with Billy and me. Now back to Talking Boxing with Billy C., the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. Undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's talking boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at billycboxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, joining us right now, a uh, boxing hall of famer and New Jersey. Boxing Commissioner, my man, uh, Larry Hazard. Good morning, Larry. Good morning, Billy. How you doing, my man? Very good. Thank God. Very good. Hey, before I get uh, into some stuff, a topic we were just talking about was uh, the WBC's announcement 
of them uh, incorporating a new belt. This one for the trainers. They were gonna they're gonna award a trainer a belt when they award uh, a belt to uh, a fighter who wins one of uh, you know a WBC belt. As much as I hate the fact that we have way too many belts in the sport today, I kind of like the fact that they're recognizing a trainer. As long as it doesn't go overboard, and I just wonder who pays the fees on that. What's your thoughts on, on their latest? Well, certainly I don't want to. I really don't want to. I, I, this, is the first I heard, this is the first I heard of that. Um, and I, I, don't, I really don't want to um, be critical of any recognition that would go to a trainer, a real trainer, a good trainer. Um, uh, so, so I guess my, my, my feelings are a little mixed on it, you know, without having a whole lot of time to think about it. Uh, I think that it's, a, it's an innovative idea. Um, of course, I don't know how the promoters are going to feel about it if they're hit with the charge. Uh, it would be nice and it would help if they would say that, uh, they would give the belt to the trainer with no charge to the trainer, no charge to the fighter. You know, um, I worked for a sanctioning organization for, for a couple of years. They get the promoter and the fighters, they get hit with charges for everything. The belt, certain percentage of their purses, et cetera. So I hope that, that this is not an add-on. Uh, this is something that would be a good idea if, in fact, it, there's no added cost to the promoters and the fighters. No percentages taken out of, of their purses. Um, and I, I really couldn't have any argument with that. I think because trainers, good trainers, you know, they, they are kind of like uh, in the background. Um, and they should receive, in my opinion, uh, some recognition. I'm not, you know, I'm not against it. I really can't, you know, I really can't find anything just offhand, you know, um, critical to, to criticize that. I think it, it, it's it's a good idea. I mean, it would have been great for a guy like Eddie Fitch, Eddie Futch, Angelo Dundee, Manuel Stewart. You know, the list goes on and on. And you got guys that are around in now, Don Turner, um, uh, even guys like John David Jackson. Uh, and, and, and Buddy McGirt, some of these guys, you know, Mark Breland, certainly um, for the job that he's doing with Deontay Wilder. Uh, I, I think it's a good idea. I really, you know, think that that's not a bad idea. You know, as long as they don't, as long as it's not like, uh, um, you know, crazy with, uh, uh, with uh, the, with the way the belts are with the fighters, you know, as long as long as they maybe if they award a, a belt to a to a trainer and then that's it, you know, I, I I I certainly hope they don't end up with the interim trainer belt or the oh, uh, uh, the the trainer belt in recess, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I, hey hey Larry, I don't know if you're listening to the show in the background, but I'm getting a, a an echo. Um, uh, I'm hearing myself uh, over. So, oh, if you, if you no, no. Well, you know, when you, you refer to listening to the show, is that you're talking about our show that we're doing right now? 
Yeah, you have it on in the background because I keep hearing, I hear me over your speaker. No, no, because hmm. I never have our show on. That's wild. Anyway. I, it seems like we're breaking up a little bit. No, that's all right. Um, so so I wanted to ask you one other thing before I get into the to the fights. Um, Canelo is, and, and, and Oscar De La Hoya, they're saying that Canelo's the victim here. I... To me, that's a joke. I mean, Triple G is 100% the victim. What's your thoughts on them trying to spin it like Canelo's being mistreated here? Well, that's 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 what you call boxing politics. You know, let's spin it around. Um, without a doubt, how how can you that that to me is really in uh, a crazy. It's ludicrous. How can Canelo? What is they? How are they saying that Canelo's the victim? He's the guy that ate the poison meat, supposedly. Okay, Triple G uh, is not the one who was suspended, who had to go before the Nevada State Athletic Commission. So, on what premise are they uh, claiming that Canelo is the victim, that he's being treated um, unfairly or whatever? In many circles, uh, myself included, I think that we kind of missed an ideal opportunity. And um, to really send a message in boxing, okay? Because I don't, I don't think that the suspension was long enough, you know. So how's he? He, in my opinion, he got away, okay? I, I, you know, sometimes I think about it. I think I would relish the opportunity to send a message to boxing. I don't know, you know, how, how many people would agree with me, but you know, boxing needs a serious message, man. If we're going to be serious about these uh, performance-enhancing drugs and all of this other stuff that goes on, then, you know, we, the, 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 the administrators, the heads, the people who are supposed to be at the forefront of, of running the sport have to look for opportunities to send those strong messages that are needed. And here was a uh, oh, oh, man, this was a beautiful opportunity to send a message out there that we're not going to tolerate this shit anymore in the sport. You know, so I think that Canelo got away easy because, you know, within the next couple of months, he's going to be right back in the ring. And eventually, he's still going to make a bundle of money fighting a Triple G. So I don't know how they could spin that around and try to make it seem like he's the victim of something. But that's the way of society now, I guess, you know, and it you know, it happens in everything. So I, I don't know what they're talking about. It's a shame. It's a shame that uh that he did get the the slap on the wrist. And and he's acting so cocky about it. You know, I I, I mean that's you know, he, he doesn't want to admit. For some reason, they made the, the, the decision that they didn't want to admit that he did it, that they, they maintained that it came from a tainted burger or whatever. But, uh, but you know, I, I mean, at some point, it just bothers me to no end, Larry. In life today, no one's, no one's held accountable for their actions anymore. I, I mean, there's always an excuse. I made the analogy earlier. It's, it's, a, it's a bad one, but it's true. You know, you get some whack job, goes in and opens up fire on, on some innocent people and killing them, and, and, and he gets arrested, and everybody's, you know, the first thought is, oh, we finally got 
uh, a murderer, we got him arrested. Then the next day, somebody says, "Well, it wasn't his fault. He was mis- uh, He was abused as a child. You know, he he, he sent got sent home without his homework or, one day. I, or he's got a mental problem. Right, he's got a problem. You know, he can't help it. He's on he's on uh, uh, drugs or whatever. I, you know, it, you got to be held accountable for your actions. I don't know. And speaking well, of which, it's a good segment here because I wanted to ask you your thoughts. Uh, of the Adrian Broner Jesse Vargas fight from this past weekend. Well, here we go again. Here we go again with 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 the judges. Okay, and here is a prime example. I want to make my argument. I'm going to keep making this argument until uh, hopefully something comes along. Certainly, uh, the officials in New Jersey they better they better start doing it. Okay, and I'm seeing signs of it. If you take, for instance, first off, uh, Broner did not win that fight, all right? So whichever one of those judges had Broner as uh, the winner, to me, that's comparable to what happened in the uh, Triple G Canelo fight, the first fight, okay? Which uh, uh, the the girl, um, Adelaide Bird, got all that misery for. To me, it's comparable to it. I don't remember which one of the judges, you know, had Broner as the winner. Now, if I had to live with the decision, I could live with the draw. I could live with it, although I'm going to say right now that I thought, okay, that Vargas won that fight. Okay, Broner started coming on in the second half, but but, uh, Vargas won the fight. Broner did not win the fight. Was it a draw? Well, I could live with it, but he did not win. Now, here's my point. We got a 10-point must system. I'm not even going to deal with rounds four, five, and and some of the later rounds, which could have arguably gone, you know, Broner's way. But with the the score being... 114-114 majority draw, if the judges in just round one, two, and three, if they had scored those three rounds for Vargas 10-8, like every rule book under the sun instructs them to do, there would have been no question on Vargas winning that fight. Because a round score 10-9 is reserved, it tells you right now, close rounds, 10-9. Nowhere under the sun was round 1, 2, and 3 anywhere near close. Okay? And if a round is not close, then the winner of the round is deserving of a 10-8 score. Not 10-9, 10-8. But... For the last 50, 60 years or maybe more, judges are stuck in park where not only do they score damn near every round 10-9, they go all the way to the right or to the left. If a knockdown is scored, if a fighter is behind for two and a half minutes in a round and he scores a knockdown, they swing the round all the way over the other way, two or three points, which is ridiculous. Okay? So that's the way I feel about that. 
And until judges start using the 10-point must system more liberally the way that they're supposed to, we're going to constantly keep getting these decisions like this. I'm convinced of it. You know, I, the thing is, though, Larry, um, the fight, I, I thought that I, I, I thought that the fight was uh, was close. Um, and and uh, do you think that that the first three rounds were so one-sided that they could have been scored a 10-8? Is that what you're saying? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Huh. That's what I'm saying. That, that Vargas, what I'm saying is, no. See, we can't say one-sided. All we're saying is dominated. the first three rounds were not close. They were not close rounds. Vargas was the clear winner in rounds one, two, and three. See, we can't keep making it harder for the fighter to earn the points that he deserves by, you know, by using semantics. Oh, it was overwhelming. It's got to be, you know, this, that, or that. Hey, look, the rule book simply says if the round is not close. I didn't see anything close about rounds one, two, and three. Okay? Were they competitive? Was Brona competitive? He may have been. But it, the rounds were not close. And I think that I think that all three of the judges, including uh, Farhood, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that they gave um, Vargas all three rounds. Well, yeah. Round that, one, two, three. Most people gave the first half to Vargas and the second half to Broner. And, and you know, based on... Uh, uh, 10-9, like you say, with these judges stuck at 10-9, you could see how a fighter like Broner could get the nod in a round that could have gone either way. Next thing you know, he's 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 got an even fight on his hands. That's um, right. You know, the, the, other, the other issue is, uh, which I, I think needs to be addressed with, with scoring, is there has to be a formula that all judges follow when it comes to making a decision on do I score in favor of volume of punches that are landed or do I score in favor of the significance of a punch landed? And what I mean by that is, um, now, I, I can't believe I'm even going to use them because I, I, they're so subjective and I can't stand the punch stats. But in this case, you know, um, Vargas threw a, a lot of punches. He drew uh, 839, according to punch stats. And uh, and Broner only threw about 500, according to punch stats. Um, but Broner landed um, a higher percentage, 44% of his, well, actually 38% of his total punches thrown uh, versus uh, 24% from uh, Vargas. So what all of that means is, do we should we put more emphasis on a more powerful, snappy punch that's landed versus the fly type uh, punch that's landed? Because then maybe some scores could be pretty uh, easy to follow. What, what do you think? Well, I think that I think you got something there. I mean, I I, I think that that's a very um, uh, valid point that you make. Okay. And that should be included in the narrative when the discussion on uh, judging comes up. That that certainly um, deserves to be included in the narrative. But I personally think 
that a greater problem lies in the judges not being willing to go outside the box and start scoring some of these rounds 10-8 without knockdowns being occur, uh, occurring. And um, they like to uh, get hung up on this overwhelming, you know, over, well, what the hell does overwhelming mean? I mean, does that an overwhelming round might even be scored a 10-7? You see what I'm saying? So a 10, the, 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 the mindset by which judges are scoring everything 10-9, 10-9. I see it. I mean, you got to remember, all the scorecards come to me when I'm, when I'm at a fight. And I've been seeing this for years and years. 10-9, 10-9. said, well, how do you differentiate between a round that is not close? I mean, it's a clear winner in that round. So why is he still getting it 10-9? You're making no difference. See, so with what you're saying in terms of how they reach that conclusion, whether it's the fighter who throws the higher volume or the more effective punches, I don't, I don't know if judges are having that much difficulty um, with um, differentiating between that. I think that they are much, be- they are much better at that than they are in using the numbers to paint the graphic of what they're seeing. Because that's what the numbers are supposed to be doing. Those 10 points are supposed to paint the picture of what occurred in the ring. And that's where they're coming up short. You know, you make a very good point that that should be constantly emphasized. And, you know, we we have to reach a level of satisfaction that, you know, judges pretty much uh, are doing that. So that becomes a part of the narrative also. But I am convinced that if they started to use those numbers more liberally, we're going to do away with a lot of these draws where fighter A should have won, you know, and fighter B is getting the benefit of of a, a draw because the draw is like a win, you know. Yes, yeah, so, so, so it's, it, it was, in this case it was for Adrian Broner. Because yeah, because you know he's gonna he's gonna go uh, he's gonna you know get another uh, probably a rematch or, or another big another big fight. Hey, listen, we're running out of time. There's some stuff I want to get uh, get to real quickly. First of all, just a little FYI, you know I love uh, these this new new crop of of young referees that that should be taking over this sport. You know, guys like Harvey Dock and, and, and the guy that, that ref the Broner Vargas fight, Charlie Fitch, yeah, one, one, one of the best. Um, which brings me uh to the to this other guy. All right. Now I don't even want to talk about the, the Charlo win over Centennial because th- these Charlo brothers look fantastic, but they're always fighting smaller guys. Centennial had no business being in the ring with him. Not only do they get so much bigger after they hydrate, but they're they're picking guys from lower weight classes. And and then they says uh, nobody everybody's ducking me you know I, I want Triple G he's been ducking me and I'm saying to myself well, what does Al Heyman tell these guys the first words that come out of your mouth is everybody's ducking me you know I, it's a joke but in this fight Charlo brutally knocked out Centennial okay and um, you know he he's laying on his back flat on his back Larry half of his body is in the ring and the other half is on the apron with his head 
barely, I, I, I'm surprised somebody on the ring apron wasn't holding it up. I don't know how it wasn't draped over, okay? And that joke of a referee, Steve Willis, who gets his jobs because he makes faces and, and he makes a, a entertaining television, is counting over him to the f full 10 count. I mean, I would assume the man knows how to count to 10 without taking his socks yeah. and shoes off, Larry. But when you got a guy that is seemingly knocked out cold, flat on yeah. his back, laying on the other side of the ropes, is it necessary to count to 10? No, it's not. And every seminar, okay, and I thought referees, you know, had that down by now. Okay, when it's obvious, we always emphasize. I mean, I've given hundreds of seminars all over the world, and I have other referees who have given seminars, and we all agree that, and, and, and most commissions, I think, will agree, certainly I do, that if a, it's the most important thing is the health and safety of the fighter. Every minute, every second counts in those critical situations especially when a fighter has experienced a serious concussive episode, which is a knockout. That's very serious, okay? So, you know, by the time you get an experienced good referee, by the time he gets to three or four, he knows if a fighter is getting up, okay? If a fighter goes down face first, most referees know you don't even need to count. It's just certain things you learn through experience. So when you get to three or four, and that fighter really is not really being that um, re responsive, you simply wave the fight off. It still goes down as a knockout. You don't have to count to ten. It goes down as a knockout because you waved it off, okay, because you want those doctors to get in there, okay, and, and help that fighter right away. Well, because well, those well, he didn't seconds that you're counting off, you know, could be very critical. Larry, he didn't want to tap into his TV time because he knew the camera well, was on him. And, and and I'm convinced that that's why he counted to 10. The, the, the man, Centennial, made no movement. They no, should have had to. New no, York State no. has 97 doctors ringside. They're giving physicals between rounds, for God's sakes. And, and you, you know, they, with all of the the movement that New York State went to the safety of the fighters, you would think that this guy would have waved that off and let the doctors examine him right well, then. Well, you're taking, you're taking part of the words out of my mouth. Like you said, these doctors in New York seem to be on high alert every, in between every round, so why didn't one of the doctors just run on in the ring there? And, and why didn't they just come right on in? You know, to me, that would have been, you know... Uh, appropriate. So I mean, you know, I, I this is what this is what seminars. I hope somebody was taking notes, you know, and it, and it would be a good thing for them to to uh, to make sure that they emphasize that to uh, all of the referees because a fighter, you know, those are very crucial seconds, and you don't need. We know you can count to ten, and I don't know what the, the referees' motives were. Maybe you know. Sometimes, you know, they just get all tied up and and they lose focus, you know, so. Javonta uh, um, Davis looked fantastic. Oh. I think this kid, this if this kid can keep his his oh. nose clean, Larry, this is a special yes. fighter right here. I mean, I mean, yes. you just you, you just don't see what this kid has. And, and I pray 
that he follows the right path. I hope yeah. that he realized that he he took he took the wrong turn, and, and luckily he got he got back on the street because yes. um, if this kid can can stay, I mean. I, I can't wait to see him again. I can't wait to see him in the ring again. Nope. And he beat a guy that was no slouch. That's right. That's you know? right. And see, that not that a good feeling, man, oh. where you now he becomes, he's close to becoming a household name. See, and, and um, if he could just stay on the right track, and I can't wait to see him in Lomachenko, okay? Um, but if that kid... To stay on the right track, man. He's going to be something very special. He's special now, but he's going to get very special. And he seems to. I like the way he was talking. Okay, I like the way you know he, you know he he gave thanks to God and you know he talked. He sounded intelligent. You know, I said, well, you know, the kid was getting a little off there because I think a lot of these kids they admire Floyd Mayweather, you know, and they're under that camp. But they have to understand they're not Floyd, you know. And so, you know, Floyd may have given him a nice talking to, which I hope, you know, because I think that Floyd could be a great role model for these kids and, and make them understand that you're not me, okay, you have to be yourself and, you know, be a, be a credit to the sport. And so I like the way that uh, Tank, you know, Javanta, Tank, I like the way that he, he sounded. Uh, great difference from the other guy, man. I'm telling you. Yeah, no. The other guy, Adrian Broner, was like, like, uh, there's something wrong with him because, uh, well, I don't want to make an excuse for him, but, but it was like Jekyll and Hyde. He grabs the mic, he starts, and that was sick. That looked like such a pre. They whispered in each other's ears. I mean, this is how, what Showtime has become. WWE, uh, you know, they let them do it, uh, you know. And then all of a sudden, he comes back the second time. And it's like a different guy dressed as Adrian Broner. I want to thank God. I want to thank. Well, this, do you, you know? do you think that was contrived? You think that was planned? I I if you have it if you have it taped, go back and watch the fight. As yeah. soon as the fight's over. Um, you see, and, and 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 you see Broner and him like you know they go kind of you know to congratulate each other and they whisper something in each other's ear. They walk away. The draw is announced, and then every they go ballistic and they're both in front of each other's face. And and Jim Gray is letting them letting them do it. But hey, I got yeah, one more one more thing for you, Larry, and I, I got to take this break. But um, I got an email directed to you. It's from uh, uh, my man Joel. He says, "Hey, Larry, I thoroughly enjoyed the UFC card on Saturday in, from yep. Atlantic City. I saw you uh, in discussion during the Merc. Uh, what is it? Mercab versus Ricky Simon decision at the end of the fight when he had passed out from the choke. Yes. Was it a tough yes. decision to make uh, in favor of Simon? I uh, completely. Uh, this is uh, uh, Jolie says I completely agreed with you on that. Uh, call overall, what did you think of the event? And have you spoken to the UFC about returning to Atlantic City soon? Oh, I'm, I'm, I speak to them all the time about that. The event was fantastic. We had damn near 10,000 people in there. Um, I, I mean, <laughs> only thing that I didn't like was that there were almost as many fights in the stands as there was in the ring. That's MMA. But you, it didn't spill over. You know, I think it just came from people who were having a little bit too much enjoyment, you know. But anyway, uh, it was a fantastic event. It was fantastic. And it just may be the event to really springboard uh, Atlantic City 
and New Jersey back into the forefront, or at least back into the mainstream again. Because the Hard Rock is opening up. I'm sure that all of those executives were watching what took place at Boardwalk Hall. And um, it wasn't hard to make that decision because we have instant replay. I was sitting right there looking at the monitor. And to be honest, I thought that the referee was a little slow in stopping it. But what actually happened, the bell rang. And in MMA, you know, that, that's what you call a technical submission because he was out. You cannot be out at the bell and win. So uh, the referee did a good job. I just thought that he was a little slow, but, oh, no, there was no hesitation whatsoever in making that decision. Larry, so To answer that question directly. Larry, I appreciate uh, all your thoughts and comments. Enjoy the fights this week. Uh, I look forward to talking about Daniel Jacobs because ponder this thought uh, until we speak again. Daniel Jacobs could very well be the best middleweight out there today. If you if you look at Triple G, assuming he's number one, he hasn't fought. You got Canelo, who shouldn't even be in the mix, and you got Billy Joe Saunders. Then all of a sudden, you got Daniel Jacobs. He seems well, maybe maybe he's the real guy. I don't know. Well, I don't know. I thought he beat Triple G in the fight when they fought anyway. You know, well, he's got, he's, you know, he's fighting a guy that's good, but a guy that's good in a lower weight division. He should look yeah. very well. Uh, you know, he should look exceptionally well this weekend. Uh, but uh, we'll chat about that next week, brother. Okay. Okay, Billy. Look right. forward to it. All right, Larry. Have a great one, man. You too. All right. Take care. That's uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Larry Hazard. Hey, listen, we're going to do our blast from the past right after this break. This week, it's on Memphis Pal Moore, a Boxing Hall of Famer. Want to know about them? Stay tuned. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an Excellence in Broadcasting Award, but the night's still young. And he's got martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where... Back, you're watching and listening to the Billy C Show. Glad you could be with us. Uh, it's that time again. It's time for our uh, blast from the past. And this week's blast from the past is being sponsored by uh, Boxing uh, KOFantasyBoxing.com. Uh, check out the website www.kofantasyboxing.com. Sign up today. And it's also being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Download your copy right now. Visit BillyCBoxing.com to do so. Or guess our trivia question correctly and you'll get a copy. Uh, this week's blast from the past, uh, as per request from one of you guys, um, is a, a Boxing Hall of Famer, Memphis Pal Moore. And there were a lot of... Uh, there was a lot of Palmores, I guess, but uh, this is Memphis Palmore joining us right now to tell us all about this guy because I got some questions for him myself. Is uh, Alex Perpali? Good morning, Alex. 
Good morning, Billy C. How are you? I'm doing okay, my man. I'm doing okay. Uh, I, I there's so many things I want you to enlighten me about uh, Memphis Palmore. It looked to me like he never fought for a title. Is that true? Yeah, unfortunately, it seemed the the closest one that he ever had was uh, the fight with um, Johnny Erdl. That was the most significant um, uh, title. But yeah, I mean, he won like tournaments and stuff like that. But no, he never. Uh, considering the names on his record, it's stunning that he didn't pick up a, a trinket. And today, that's what I was just going to ask you. I was wondering when uh, when are there going to be belts for? Uh, Billy C uh, contributors. Um, I want a belt. If uh, <laughs> trainers get a belt, everybody gets a belt. Yeah, I, I, I think, uh, I think. Don't, don't. Hey, don't say that too loud. You might have a. I might be start all of a sudden getting bills for sanctioning fees here. You know, I mean, uh, to give out the belts to you guys. You know, but that's right. And I'm gonna have to put on extra because I'm gonna need quite a belt. <laughs> They're gonna charge me more <laughs> for that. But uh, a guy with 107 wins. I mean, you would think that he would have got a shot at a title, right? And he was fighting in a weight class that should have justified a title as well it's um when you compare him to some of the guys that get in the hall of fame now it's it's ridiculous i mean he fought 10 hall of famers um and had wins over them uh over over, over quite a few of them uh it's stunning um this guy even though you know i think the the, the knock on uh you know the of why he's not more well known is because he's small uh, he's a bantamweight. Uh, the little guys don't get um, all the credit they deserve. Uh, but I tell you, uh, even today, some of the most, uh, some of the best boxing you're going to see is at bantamweight, um, bantamweight featherweight. Those guys are, are so much fun to watch. And that uh, his real name was Thomas Wilson Moore. He was born in Delaware. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yes, he was born in uh, Kenton, Tennessee, um, and. Um, he uh, is, was five foot five inches tall, and like I said, he was mostly a bantamweight, fought in the range his whole career from 112 pounds to 122 pounds, probably the heaviest he ever fought. Um, and of course, bantamweight is 118. Uh, you know, I don't have a lot of, um, in terms of uh, color from his life, you know, nothing from his youth. He did start boxing, it seems, um, as a youth. But his, uh, where he was a boxing instructor was in the Navy, and he was stationed uh, in the Great Lakes. He, he was during World War One, and uh, he was never known for his hitting ability, but he depended on his uh, unusual reach and speed to outpoint opposition. Uh, one of his uh, nick nicknames at times, or as he, some boxers they referred to as this, uh, it's not used as often these days, uh, Willow the Wisp. And what that is, um, I think we might have talked about that before, uh, but what that um, refers to is this phenomenon that uh, it's sort of like swamp gas uh, that lights, that can ignite and be seen over like marshes or bogs in the evening and the whole idea one of the things that's sort of characteristic of it is the closer you get to it the more it seems to dissipate um so you can't get get at it uh, so think about a fighter like that like you're trying to fight this uh luminescent glow uh that you can't touch um 
I think, you know, scientists have described it as like swamp gas and methane escaping from the uh, decaying matter that somehow ignites or little bioluminescent microorganism. There's a, multiple descriptions, but it was, you know, it's described in folklore. And that was one of those expressions they used to describe his fighting style. Uh, the other thing, too, he was sometimes called was the human jumping jack. He had a freakish style of boxing, jumping in and, in and out and hitting from any angle. Yeah, he um, he was he he threw a lot of uh, volume too, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he was not a hard puncher. He was more of a volume puncher. You know, here's a guy that uh, also you know you you always wonder you know, what makes a guy decide that they want to get into into the sport of boxing, right? Well, I I have a pretty good reason why. Uh, Memphis Palmore decided to. He was uh, a sailor in the U.S. Navy, and he was making a whopping thirty-five bucks a month. I, I mean, thirty-five bucks a month. I mean, how do you pass right, up money? Baby. Yeah, how do you pass up huge dollars like that, Alex? Yeah, that's great. A steady job. Yeah, and uh, a steady paycheck like that, thirty-five bucks a week. Nice. Yeah. Right. I mean, uh, talk about. Uh, uh, you know, uh, st having a stable job. But uh, obviously he got into boxing and did very well at it. Uh, let's talk about, uh, name some of the fighters that he beat and won. Against. Okay, so we're talking about Same some thing. of these Hall of Famers. It's, um, it's stunning. Uh, Kid Williams. Uh, now, again, this guy, we, he was 19 when he turned pro, and it was, um, I believe it was 1913. Let me just double-check that. 1915. Um, and he was only 19 years old. Yeah, he was born. I don't know if I gave you the year he was born, but it was um, uh, 18, 1898. Um, I'm sorry. I, I'm looking at the wrong box rec page. No, it's, eight, yeah, it's 1894. Eight, 1894, and, right? Correct. Uh, July 28th, 1894. And he started boxing at 19 years old in 1913. And yeah, in his um, in his career, he faced Kid Williams, uh, Pete Herman, Joe Lynch ten times, uh, Jimmy Wild, Eugene Creaky. He knocked him out. Uh, Sammy Mandel, Frankie Gennaro, Fidel LaBarba. Did I get them all? I mean, it's stunning. Well, then, uh, then he fought a lot of those other fighters that we hear all the time, like Jackie Kid Wolf, and and you mentioned Jimmy well, Wilde already. Kid. Yeah, you know the Zulu Kid exactly fought him early on. I mean, uh, you know, I, it was such a such a competitive uh, and, and chock full division. Um, the nickname Memphis Palmore. He, he was going by a different name for a while, right? As Wilson Moore, um, but uh, or or was it the other way around? He was uh, Memphis Palmore. There was a lot of Memphis Palmores. Then he started going on as Wilson Moore. What was the story with that? Yeah, I believe it was Wilson Moore. I saw that uh, that uh, after one of the one of his wins, his his trainer, uh, I mean his manager, was like, "Let's make it clear to distinguish him. We're going to call him Wilson Moore." And then. Pretty soon it was back to or back to Palmore, but they used Memphis distinguished him from the other Palmores that were uh, around. Yeah, there's a there was another Palmore who was uh, I forget if he fought battling Nelson or not, but he was from maybe you know five six years earlier. Now I got a question. 
the he fought in uh, when he was in the military. The military used to let uh, uh, fighters uh, uh, fight each other. And for an example, he he beat Jimmy Wilde in 1918, um, which he won the King's Bantamweight Trophy, which is for the uh, uh, for the service. Was those fights considered amateur fights, or were those fights considered professional fights? Yeah, that was interesting. That was like a tournament, and it was a, a, a military invitational. Yeah, General Pershing was there, um, and um, it seems they were considered. They they're on their records, so I guess they're considered pro fights. Um, but yeah, I got the feeling the whole thing was like a benefit. So I don't know if they got paid for that, but um, it they're both on their records, so they seem to be legitimate. Um, you know, pro bouts. Um, but yeah, that fight was incredibly close. Um, and he beat, by beating Jimmy Wilde, uh, even though it was a non-title bout, he won the tournament. And he, in a sense, you just beat the guy who's looked at as the bantamweight champion. So even though he wasn't the bantamweight champion, he just, ha he has a win. So he's suddenly incredibly highly regarded. Um, you know, so now getting other fights, uh, he's the guy who beat Jimmy Wilde in the tournament. You know, so um, he uh, got a, quite a name for himself, and he really is. When you look at his record, Billy C., it's ridiculous. When we use the old phrase, this guy fought everybody, uh, it's it's crazy to look at him. I mean, his just the start he gets, his first year, uh, at 19 years old, he's 6-0 and with four KOs. His second year, I mean, just... This guy goes right into it. Second year, he's 10 and 2 with four draws, two KOs. Third year, 18 and 5 with two draws, three KOs. Um, fourth year, 15, 4 and 4, no knockouts. But I mean, and it goes on and got on. Uh, he just racks up the ring experience, and he really was a craftsman uh, in the ring. And. Um, yeah, uh, the, the the names go on and on. Did I also mention uh, Fidel LaBarba was another guy that he fought? I mean, the the frequency that these guys fought uh, really will never be like that again. Uh, and you know, it, it really people always ask me, oh, what what can what can be done to get boxing back to where it was? And in a sense, it'll never get back to the way it was because the frequency of the fights aren't as much, you know. But uh, yeah, uh, I mean, but, this is—you could see this is a guy fighting every month at least, more, sometimes more than once a month, and it's ridiculous because sometimes he has, you know, a rough fight, and then within three weeks he's in the ring again. Right, and, and you know that, that we've seen that a lot. As a matter of fact, some of the safety issues that they've taken today with the thirty-day suspensions, etc would have uh, maybe saved uh, some of these early fighters' lives after the fact, you know. Um, he fought for, what, 17 years. Um, he, when he walked away from the sport, he seems to have walked away 100%. Is that true? I really don't have, uh, I have very little about um, his post-boxing uh, life, um, you know, but just his obituary just said that he died of, um, uh, complications of diabetes and um, I forgot what the other thing was um, but I did want to mention one thing uh, before we got to that that uh, he in one of those fights these fights with Joe Lynch sounded amazing and one of them he he was never stopped 
um, but he came very close to being stopped against Joe Lynch uh, when they fought September 4th, 1922. And um, he was down in early in the fight, and he made, made it to his feet and kept going. Uh, and then he was down again, bleeding and mostly helpless in the corner, saved by the bell. At the end of the fight, he ends up losing. You know, he made it to the end. Uh, all, uh, Lynch almost registered a knockout. Uh, they found out he fought the whole fight. At what it looks like in the seventh round, it might have happened. He had a broken rib on his left side. So he was an incredibly tough guy. Uh, you know, he wasn't um, uh, a big puncher, but um, he had a huge, huge heart. I, I have him as being stopped one time. Yeah, one time, uh, but that was, um, and I don't think it was, it was in the corner. It was not, um, I don't believe it was uh, oh, we a knockout. Um, against Jack Kid Wolf in 1917, it, it uh, on my records, it shows that he was, the fight was stopped, TKO. So Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure it was in the corner, because that, that was one of the things, is that he, that's, you know, it was one of those, because it was like, he's never been knocked out, but. He was, like you said, a TKO. Now, uh, Memphis Palmore, uh, exciting fighter during his time, walked away. Uh, his last fight took place in 1930. Like uh, Alex said, he started in 1913. He walked away. Uh, I don't know what he did afterwards. I do know that he died fairly young at 58 years old. Can you tell us anything that took place after uh, Memphis Palmore's last uh, fight, which was a... Not Jeez, a I got to mute you um, out with all that with all that paper shovel. You're worse than Sal. Um, I'm sorry he, his, about that. His last um, fight was a majority decision win in 1930. Yeah, he... Um, that that fight where he was stopped, he uh, he actually was. They stopped it after the fourth because of a broken arm. So it wasn't like a you know knockout knockout. Um, whoa whoa whoa! He couldn't comp He couldn't continue with one arm. Uh, you're, uh, yeah, I guess um you know what a he wimp. Out. What a wimp. Um, He's no Floyd Mayweather. I'll tell you that. <laughs> His death was attributed to stomach ulcer, severe asthmatic condition that actually forced him to retire from the ring. Um, but uh, yeah, so stomach ulcers and asthma. I'm sorry, I I thought I saw diabetes on the Wikipedia page. Yeah, um, it, it, stomach ulcers, huh? I guess. Uh, well, in the thirties, I didn't know you could die of that. Well, it's bleeding. It's a, it's a, you know. I mean. Uh, oh yeah, that's yeah. true. Plus, we're talking about nineteen. Severe asthmatic condition. It's like that um, COPD commercial. Where the wolf huffed and puffed like you sometimes, Grandpa. Grandpa. Yeah. <laughs> Shut yeah. up, kid. Yeah. I'm dying <laughs> over here. Yeah. yeah. I know. Talk to me when you're 80 years old, kid. You know. But uh, exactly. any anyway, uh, great job uh, on Memphis Palmore. Um, he. Oh, uh, how did he do in the uh, title bout? Uh, he did pretty well. I'm sorry, I got to find that page. Um, there's three guys I put him in. One of the guys I wanted to put him in against uh, is the young and probably brightest uh, current bantamweight title holder, that Ryan Burnett. But he's not in the game. Uh, he's the one. He's an undefeated kid. Uh, Nahoya uh, Inoue is moving up to bantam against uh, uh, Jamie and McDonald on uh, May 25th. So I put him in against him, I put him against Zolani Tete, and I put him in against Guillermo Rigondeau uh, just for fun. So first against Inoue. 
The first time they fight, Inouye defeats him by unanimous decision, 119 to 106, 118 to 106, and 117 to 107. Uh, way had more down once in the 10th and then twice in the 11th. When they fight 100 times, uh, Inouye gets the best of it. Moore, Memphis Pal Moore wins 19, loses 75, draws 6, and uh, he had 11 KOs. And in a way, in his 75 victories, scored 20 knockouts. Um, when he fights Zolani Tete, the first time they fight Memphis, Palmore wins uh, TKO in 10 rounds. Uh, he stopped him on cuts at 39 seconds of the 10th. Um, when they fight 100 times, uh, they kind of break even. 41 victories for Memphis Palmore, 48 defeats, 11 draws. He scored 22 knockouts. In his 48 wins, Tete scored seven KOs. And then when he fights um, Guillermo Rigando, um, who's a little bigger than him, uh, Rigo wins the first time in a very boring fight, unanimous decision. The scores were 116 to 112 twice and 117 to 111. No knockdowns. When they fight 100 times, Rigondeaux does better. Memphis Palmore wins 24, loses 61, draws 5. He scored 10 KOs. And um, in those 61 victories, Rigondeaux was able to stop him five times. Um, at least he's... <laughs> well, at least he's... Uh... He's in there at, at, at this point, but uh, great job yeah, as usual. No, I, I think he should have done a little better because, I mean, think about it. Those guys don't have Hall of – maybe they have one Hall of Famer on their records, two Hall of Famers, um, so I don't know. Um, who knows with with how they base the stuff. I mean, the game itself is based on da data, so – but you're right. I mean, and, and maybe that's – why he's in the Hall of Fame uh, for not winning a title and uh, whatever. I, I'll well, never think about it. If you, um, the guys who are big punchers or, or do things physically, those are the ones who uh, I would think would do well in any age because they have those raw, big power, athleticism, stuff like that. Uh, or no, might not do well in every age. Uh, it's the guys with um, style that I think could and he's a stylist um so i don't know i would think that um he should do better he should have done better than he did but what can i say right uh, well you you know uh hey it is what it is uh memphis palmore great job uh alex uh he uh had a career record 107 wins only 11 by knockout and uh this backs up what alex was saying in the beginning a volume puncher uh, he lost 28 times in which he was only stopped once, and the wimp uh, couldn't continue with a broken arm. Um, he had uh, 27 draws, uh, 1,537 rounds of his 163 uh, fights. And a lot of those early fights that we were talking about were 20, scheduled for 20 rounds. So, um, Memphis Palmore was inducted into the uh, International Boxing Hall of Fame in 2011. Great job as usual. Um, Alex, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions real quickly. Um, what was your thoughts on the uh, uh, Broner-Vargas fight? Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I did not score it. Um, but watching it, I thought uh, I agreed mostly with um, – well, I agreed with Steve Farhood's card to, to 
for the most part, but I think he ended up having it a draw. To me, it did seem the fight was on the table towards the end. Uh, Broner had a great, what was it, a tenth, the ninth and tenth round? He had really great ninth and tenth. Um, but then he took his foot off the gas. In the 11th and 12th, he did very little. Um, and his trainer was exhorting him to do something in that final round. And the fight was on the table. He really should have uh, should have done something, but did not. And for me, I thought um, if anybody won, it was Vargas. But like I said, I didn't I didn't do the numbers. So I um, but but I think what Larry said, I I think was an excellent point. Uh, Vargas won those early rounds and won them big. So it does, I mean, but when you think about it, each round is a fight. You've got to score each individual round. Um, it's just one nothing when you think about it. Even though we have the 10-point must system, if we're adhering that to that 10-9, you might as well be doing one nothing because, you know, every round's the same. But I think that's why I think Larry brings up a very interesting point because there, but, you they know, were not close rounds. But, but they weren't... Uh... I don't know, man. I don't know if I agree with 10-8 for those first couple of rounds. They it, weren't. It Adrian Broner. It would be a Broder, very big change in how we score the sport. Yeah, because. But I think he makes up an. It, it, if we did do it, I, I don't know. You would probably see less controversial decisions. Well, well, what Larry. What Larry, Larry has made a point, and, and I agree with him. And actually, I hate to give him kudos, but the WBC did the same thing. And I've spoken with Mauricio Suleiman. Uh, on it when he was on this show, but they are experimenting with a different scoring system, whereas you would get to utilize more points within the 10-point must system, and Larry's been saying that for years, and that's Larry's point about winning a round easily should be a 10-8 round versus squeaking by a close round, which is 10-9. That falls into the 10-point must system. And then if you're getting battered and almost dropped, maybe that goes to its 10-7. If you get dropped after being battered and after being dominated, that could be as low as a 10-6. So I, I think if you got these judges all on the same page, something like that could work. Yeah. What bothers me about the way a lot of these judges score would be the scenario where um, you and I are fighting and you're battering me for, for two minutes and 45 seconds of a three-minute round, and, and I land this haymaker that drops you, okay, at, at two minutes and 45 seconds. You get up, you beat the count, and then 99% of the time, those judges are scoring that round 10-8 in my favor. You know, so I just get a three-point swing from one punch, which isn't fair, you know. And, and a lot of these other judges don't uh, do the deductions correctly. You're supposed to score around the way you saw it, then do your point deductions from there. So if you score the fight uh, around 10-9 in favor of fighter A, and then fighter A also got a point deducted for for uh, you know uh, a low blow. That round becomes nine nine. You know you you score at ten nine, then do the deduction. That's the way it's supposed to work. You know. But uh, one last question. I, I'm I'm over my time, but real quickly, I've been real hard on Steve Willis. Um, Centennial Jr. was knocked out, in my opinion, cold, flat on his back. Half his body was through the ropes, and Steve Willis continued to count. Um, you I, know, I, I didn't see that. Oh fight. My God. I, I heard you guys describing it. I, I, I left the room. Um, 
for that uh, fight, and I I have to watch that because that does sound. It's funny because well, it's not funny if the guy was badly hurt, but of course, but um, the. I usually like when they give a full count because so often today they wave off a fight before they give a count. Um, when a guy, they don't even give a guy a chance to get up. But if a guy's concussed, yeah, it's a little ridiculous to count over him. Listen, in this case, go watch it. I agree that sometimes, sometimes they need to give a count. I agree with that. But in this case, when a guy, first of all, when a fighter is beyond the ropes. His body, half of his body is inside the ropes, in the in the ring of battle, so to speak. The other half of, of his body is outside the ropes on the ring apron, practically oh, yeah. hanging over. And he's flat on his back, Alex. He's not moving. It's not like he's struggling to get up and he, he's just trying to get his equilibrium back. He's flat on his back, not making a move. And, and Willis is... You know, trying to get his camera time with the googly eyes and and the faces, and he's counting to to the full ten. You know, I mean, uh, there's just no reason for it. You know, if we're, you know, I can't stand when people say that they're they they they're concerned for a fighter's health, and then their actions would say otherwise. That's all. You know, yeah. I mean, don't be yeah. hypocritical when we're talking about the safety. And and nobody likes to see fighters fight more than me. But there has to be a line drawn. And when a guy is flat on his back, out cold, the fight's over. You know, Absolutely. I mean, I mean, it, it, it's over. Alex, hopefully you can stop back again uh, later in the week. We're going to be doing our breakdowns and predictions on Friday. Tomorrow's going to be a, a super chat day. We're going to uh, open up uh, the super chat for everybody. So uh, hopefully if you got some time, swing by. We'll get you back on, my man. Okay, I'm going to hit you back uh, with an email later. I uh, I found something yesterday that um, you'll get a kick out of. There's a Jack Johnson and Bugs Bunny connection. Oh, I love that. I love that. All right, my man. <laughs> We'll talk to you soon. All right. All right. Take care. Take care. That's uh, Alex Papali giving us a great job. I'm going to take a short break. When I come back, uh, we're scheduled to have, uh, what's his name? Oh, yeah, yeah. My man, Sal Rocky Santacola. He'll be back in two. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And where back you're watching and listening to the billy c show glad you could be with us and uh back with us uh again is uh sal rocky senecola and sal i got a couple of things to talk about uh first let, let me get her email out of the way this is from my man uh greg he says hey that guy was right you and larry talked about scoring rounds and the very next day they talked about scoring the holyfield tournament just like larry talked about i think they too are listening to your show <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Well, thanks for the email, Greg. We, uh, we appreciate that, uh, big time to be, uh, uh, exact. Okay. Some new news. Um, it was reported and this is, uh, speaking about the WBC, it's reported that Keith Thurman, Keith Thurman, you, you recall that Keith, name, I, right? I, you, I, you know, it, it, it's vaguely familiar. I, I think he, he used to, well, yeah, he, he did fight a couple of years ago, right? Yeah, he's, he's, he's kind of been on the shelf. And uh, it was announced uh, uh, yesterday that he, um, he's not going to be able to fight again until the fall. 
but but some, wow. but some weird stuff happened. Now, it, it, as you know, he's a unit was considered a unified champion. He had the WBA Super uh, World uh, Welterweight Title, and he also had the WBC uh, World Welterweight Title. Um, and um, well, apparently, he decided that he was going to give up the WBC belt because he wasn't able to fight uh, for this belt uh, until the fall. And the WBC decided to let the former champion who he beat to get the belt, Danny Garcia, and uh, a, a longtime number one contender, Sean Porter, fight for the WBC World Welterweight title. Then then when Keith Thurman is, is uh, okay to fight, uh, then he gets to fight the winner. Uh, uh, Keith Thurman said, due to my rehabilitation from my injuries, I, I agreed to relinquish my title, WBC title at this time. I'm going to continue to rehab my hand and elbow, and I look forward to getting back in the ring uh, sometime this summer or fall. This is only a temporary setback as I will become the unified champion once again and look forward to winning back my titles as soon as possible. Um, one other thing uh, uh, that was said uh, was from uh, Mauricio Suleiman. He said, Keith Thurman, unfortunately, has suffered two consecutive injuries that have kept him out of the ring after his win over Danny Garcia. Uh, he has relinquished his title, and the WBC has mandated that Danny Garcia and Sean Porter will fight for the title. Keith will have a direct path to fight for the title once he's healed, just like Vitaly Klitschko and other WBC champions have done in the past. Um What's your thoughts, man? Well, let's look at it at face value. I mean, if we believe everything is what it said to be true, then, you know, hey, I, I got to uh, respect the fact that, you know, he's doing everything he can on his end. Um, you know, whether you relinquish a belt and, and have the fire to get it back. I mean, so he, he's saying all the right things. And like I said, I don't know the inside as far as, the extent of these injuries and how truly um, grave they were for him to take the time off and rehab. But I will give him the benefit of the doubt. So it is what it is. And uh, we do wish him a speedy recovery. And I hope he gets back in the ring soon because, you know, he, he's a good talent. And I do give him res respect in the ring. But uh, we'll leave it at that right now. I think that, uh, you know, this is a guy that um, – uh, He's he's no champion. If if you if you get injured, and rumor has it David Hay fell down another flight of stairs, and he's not going to be fighting the rematch with with Tony Bellow. You, but God, but I mean, listen, if you can't stay healthy, if you're getting hurt in training, then you need to take some time off, and you can't take the belts with you. That's my thoughts, Sal. No, I I, I agree. I mean, you know, Billy, I, I'm a, I'm a throwback to to conventionality and 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 old time and and tradition and. You know, like I said, in my old world, you 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 had to defend your title against the number one ranked contender every six months, and uh, if you were if you failed to do so uh, through hook or crook, you got stripped of the title, and you know you had to work your way back up there again. I I, I can't see what's so clouding the waters today to make that old rule or or somewhere like that or uh, still stand true. Hey, I got to give my man Johnston another shout out. Uh, he just gave us a, a super chat. He says, "Hey, I know it's Super Chat Day tomorrow, but I just love this show. I, I appreciate that." Yeah, um, nice. We also got some nicknames going on uh, with Keith Thurman. <laughs> I love this one, uh, Keith. Well, Run I got one, Keith Runman. Keith Runman. That's uh, 
that's a good one. But yes, for anybody that uh, wants to know what we're talking about, tomorrow's going to be uh, uh, a day that uh, we are going to open up uh, uh, our super chat and hope that uh, people uh, uh, will pretty much drive the show. We we used to do it with phone calls. We'll we'll still open up the phone lines tomorrow as well. Um, I am scheduled to have uh, former New York State Athletic Commissioner. Uh, Randy uh, Gordon join us tomorrow. He's oh, also was man. a former uh, editor in Ring Magazine. He currently does a show with my man uh, uh, Jerry Cooney, and uh, he and I uh, uh, talk uh, a lot about uh, uh, you know doing things together and stuff. And he's going to join us tomorrow. Um, so uh, you know we're looking uh, we're looking ahead for some uh, uh, new things going on. Um, but uh, you know I, just to get back on this Thurman thing, Sal. You know, it just seems like, you know, if you're constantly prone to injuries, and and the thing that bothers me is that his injuries are always crazy. Like, you know, he had a surgery that he, he, he let me get let me let me get you caught up. He injured his neck in a in a car accident back in February 2016, which made his he he was scheduled to fight uh, uh, Sean Porter, and it delayed that fight by three months. The circumstances around the car accident accident were very vague. There was no police report uh, filed. They, they, he posted some photos of the car. It looked like there was no damage. Um, so a lot of people were questioning that. Then he beats Danny Garcia in a very close fight, split decision uh, in, in March of last year. A month later, he had surgery on his right el- elbow to remove bone spurs, which had nothing to do with um, you know an accident or anything like that. And, and as well as calcium deposits. He was in rehabilitation from that surgery still to this day. Then uh, the other uh, last month, uh, apparently he injured his hand hitting the heavy bag uh, and sparring with some amateurs in his gym. And then they sent him for an MRI and it revealed bruises. So my question to you is, it sounds like these injuries, I, and I don't want to, I, I mean this sincerely, okay? I I don't want an injury is an injury, okay? But normally, in an insurance claim case, unless you have a broken bone, they don't look at it as injuries. How can these bruises be termed injuries and postpone fights? I think there's something deeper going on, Sal. Well, like I said, I like to take it at face value and take him to his word. And, and uh, you know, hey, I was prone at one time uh, early on to freak accidents, if you will, and I had stress fractures and shin splints and things like this just from overtraining and, and bruised hands and things like that. But, you know, yeah, I had some setbacks, and, and they do uh, they do uh, take a toll on you. And, and, you know, you have to try and have that clean run of, of being healthy. But as I said, you know, fighting is not a game for, for, for the weary. I mean, you have to be – a hundred percent or at, and you're never really a hundred percent because you you walk around with injuries you're a hundred percent your best at the time when you step in the ring but like i said if you have a bone bruise if you have this if you have that yeah you got to get it attended attended to and, and you got to recover from it so like i said i'll take him at face value uh keith thurman is a good talent he's a good fighter but, uh, you know, I would like to see him back in the ring as soon as possible to either defend or regain some of these titles that he has. Well, uh, the whole idea is he should have one title, right? I mean, uh, well, he should have one title. And, and you know, I, 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 I think that 
I think that he, he's got plenty of guys that are looking for him in the welterweight division right now, so getting a fight will not be uh, hard for him to do. He's just got to be healthy enough to get in the ring. That's it. So once he is, I'm sure we're going to see him uh, face some top fighters because they're all gunning for him right now. You know, I, I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, an injury is an injury. But, um, you know, if, if you're constantly, you know, uh, getting uh, a bruise here and there, I mean, you know, um, uh, I, I personally, I think that this guy shouldn't even have a belt. I, I think that um, the bottom line is that fighters that win a title must defend within six months. A lot of them get nine months. But they must defend yeah. within six months. And and I'm not so sure I'm all about, you know, getting some BS, uh, you know, mandatory that they have to defend against. As long as they make a defense, you know. And and, and maybe the computer ranking should supersede the sanction. I, I don't know. I don't know. But guys like Keith Thurman, who I thought was a, a really good fighter at one point, has really uh, let me down, and he's let down the, the sport of, of boxing as well, in, in my opinion, Sal, because, you know, it sends between him and guys like Canelo, who, uh, you know, are trying to turn it around and make uh, the victim, uh, make Canelo seem like he's the victim. You know, these kinds of, of moves are bad for the sport. And unfortunately, we have a lot of young fans that just... <laughs> Either they're not smart enough or they're not willing enough to learn about the sport. And they believe whatever is said. You know, it's like it's like the uh, resident troll. You know, everybody's so tough behind a keyboard in today's, uh, uh, you know, computer-based world. You know, it wasn't like that back when we were kids. You know, somebody mouthed off to you and they had to either, you know, uh, face you or, or <laughs> shut the hell up. You know, now everybody's a tough guy behind the keyboard. You know, I... You know, it, it just bothers me. Plus, the, the other thing is, is you have this immaturity. I don't want to. I don't want to look at the, the internet or, or the uh, uh, global effects that the internet has by bringing people together, specifically in the boxing community where we can all talk boxing and stuff. I don't want to have some you know young kid you know call any other users names and stuff it's so immature you might as well go back to kindergarten that's what it is we're dealing with 18 year olds right well you know you got a an, an emotional growth as well as a physical growth and uh you know it's 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 just a different society today it's just a different word my i mean my my father got rest his soul he like i said he was an old-fashioned old traditional italian and he he you know, he, he would say, well, that Al Gore, he really invented the Internet. It's going to destroy the world, <laughs> you know, ruin us as a society. And, uh, you know, that, again, that was just uh, that was just a little pun. But uh, uh, my father, you know, he he saw the the uh, what the computer industry, the the household uh, um, time it's consumed in family and things like that. And he, you know, he was not a part of it and he he i don't think he even had an email he, he just uh like i said he was an old-fashioned kind of guy and he relied on just uh, what was right in front of him to uh or what he can gather in the news and assess for himself um well hey, those are the you know those are the old days just like uh uh you know uh 
sticks and stones will hurt you, but uh, you know, sticks and stones will break your bones, but names will never hurt you. I mean, uh, nowadays, never nowadays, did. you call somebody a name on the internet, and they go home and hang themselves, or shoot, uh, shoot somebody, uh, or you know. It's a shame, but it's, it's they're really, weak. So much more. They're weak, Sal. That's it, the difference. It, it, it's a dumbed down. It's a dumbed down, weakened society. That's what we have become. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's 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 a shame because you know the the human strife, the the the, the passion for excellence, the, the the zeal for victory, those were the things that I grew up with. Uh, I I don't see a lot of it in in the majority of the youth today that I that I experienced when my generation was honing in to do something special. Uh, and compete on on a level against the best. Um, like I said, it's just a different generation. You know, we we have ebb and flows of of uh, things that come in and out of our lives, and uh, I I'm not sure you what or who is exactly to blame, but uh, we have definitely become soft uh, of these current days, and you know it's uh, it's it's a shame. It's a shame. Softer up. Yeah, well, I mean, they're a bunch of wimps, you know, and it's our fault because everybody labels. They want to find out why. Why did the person? Why does? Why does this person not get along? Oh, it's because of this. Why did this person go in and and open fire on all these innocent people at the movie theater? Oh, because he was stressed out. He was on drugs. He was this. wasn't his fault. He was drunk. You know, why did the drunk driver kill that that poor mother and and minivan full of kids? Well, he didn't mean it. He was blacked out drunk, so he should get a pass. No, no. He should be held accountable for what he did. Exactly. You know when it all started? 30 years ago when he came up with the term going postal. (laughs) That was the benchmark. Well, that's when— It went downhill from then. Well, well— that started, you know, because of a redundant job at a post office. But what started right. all of this, to be honest with you, was the Columbine killings. Once the Col- yeah. I, yeah, I, 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 you know, you, you never heard of this. You, multiply. You never heard of of any of that until the Columbine killings, you know. But uh, anyway, it's time for our trivia question, boys and girls. And uh, our trivia question uh, uh, is uh, still going strong from yesterday. And the funny thing is, is that I'm getting really, really good answers. Unfortunately, they're not right. So today I'm going to give you uh, uh, another really, really big hint. And I'm sure I'm going to be giving out a prize tomorrow. But uh, uh, the question is, and if you're the first one to email me, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com, uh, you'll win uh, your very own copy of the Title Bout Championship uh, computer game. Um, uh, this uh, um, uh, question is pretty tough. So uh, he- here it is. So it- you got to email us, and I'm going to read the question. Then I'm going to tell you where to send it. Then I'm going to read it again with the hints, okay? Um, before my 20th birthday, I beat four world champions and lost to another one who I also defeated just one month past my 20th birthday. Who am I? If you're the first one to email me the correct answer, Billy at Talkin' Boxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G uh, dot com. Um, you will win uh, the uh, uh, your very own copy of uh, 
uh, title belt championship computer game. I'm going to read it one more time with all the hints. Before my 20th birthday, I beat four world champions and lost to another one who I also defeated just one month past my 20th birthday. Who am I? Here's the hints. This guy is very well known. He fought in multiple divisions. He fought for the world heavyweight title. He fought a very dominant heavyweight champion for the title and came up short twice. And this guy, here's the last hint I'm going to give you. He never fought as an amateur. If you're the first one to get this correct by wow. emailing me, Billy at Talking Boxing, T A L K I N B O X I N G dot com, you'll win uh, the prize. So, uh, hey, make sure tomorrow is going to be a busy day here on the show. We're going to open up uh, phone lines. We're also going to have a super chat day. So, anybody that's willing to. Uh, uh, put the money where their mouth is. We'll get uh, a place uh, on the show for tomorrow. We're also scheduled to have uh, Randy Gordon join us. So uh, you're not going to want to miss the show tomorrow. So make sure you tune in tomorrow morning. Same bat time, same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby. <laughs> Da na 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 na